We're going to end this hour now thinking about some alarming numbers headed our way regarding obesity. We've been talking about this all week. Current trends track that by 2030, 42% of American adults will be obese. And the change in body size, metabolism, health has caused a lot of assumptions about the population to be reexamined down to the dimensions of, say, caskets. Here's a plea from Keith Davis, who runs a company that makes coffins for people who die weighing more than 400 pounds and up to 1,200 pounds. I would much rather that people would uh, change their eating habits, change their lifestyle, change their attitudes towards food and slim down and put me out of business. Uh, this is not a, a desirable thing to be happening to the United States or the world, actually, because we even ship overseas. Uh, obesity is not just here, it's everywhere. Nevertheless, Davis's big coffin business is growing along with the weight of the population. And there's a lot of math that needs to be redone, products that need to be resized. Or supersized. The fat boys never left. And how's that for breakfast? According to these obesity stats and the real cause, one real enough to be tracked mathematically is abundance. Abundance of food. Just like that list the fat boys were mentioning there. Food production in the U.S. and the availability of food generally may be the best predictor of obesity. Success in agriculture equals failure in public health. Is it as simple an equation as that? Not likely. Dr. Carson Chow is a mathematician and investigator with the National Institute of Diabetes and Digestive Kidney Diseases, who specializes in mathematical research on obesity. Dr. Chow, welcome to the program. Oh, hello. So how, how does food abundance and the tracking of agricultural food production in the United States uh, exactly correlate with the rise of obesity? It seems obvious on some sense, but you had to come up with a lot of equations to actually get this correlation right. Yeah, so I mean, the, people have noticed this for a long time that that the obesity epidemic, and you could you could take any measure, the number of obese, or say the average weight of the U.S. population, has increased starting in a, in about the early 70s and has gone up pretty much linearly since that time, and the food production has gone up. So what we did is not a correlation analysis. What we were working on was 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 uh, developing a metabolic model of a human being. So. We know that when um, you take in food, you can think of, of the body as a big bucket of, um, of you know, your, your body fat, your, your carbohydrates, which are in the form of glycogen, and then everything else, which is protein, water, and so forth. And when you take in food, you eat carbs, protein, and fat, and they get partitioned. They either get burned just to keep you alive and do your daily activities, or anything that, that you eat that's in excess of what you need gets partitioned into some of the tissue. All right, hold on just there for a second. So in that bucket, I'm, I'm seeing this, there are accumulation rates that can be mathematically tracked of glycogen, of fat, of carbohydrates, and there are uh, dispersion rates of those same chemicals that can be tracked mathematically as you burn it or metabolize it. And you're looking at all that stuff, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And so you can, you can write down the, um, the dynamical equations for all these, these processes. And, uh, and then you can then simply feed the model food and then see how much it's going to weigh in the future and then compare it to data. And how does the abundance and the knowledge of that abundance or the fact that you drive down the street and see any number of options uh, regarding food, 
How does that contribute to accelerate any of these equations here? Um, so if, if, you, uh, if you perform more physical activity, um, we, can, we can incorporate that into the model. You will burn energy. In fact, it's an interesting observation that they've measured is that the amount of energy you burn um, seems to scale linearly with your mass. So the, the, the more weight you have, the more energy it takes just to move around. Um, so we can incorporate that. And the major determinant of how much energy you burn seems to be how much lean mass, and lean mass is just defined as everything that's not body fat, so that includes all your muscle tissue, all your organs and the water and so forth. If you just take that lean mass, that explains most of how much energy you will burn, so that determines mostly how much you need to eat every day to stay in equilibrium. So we can account for all these different processes, and we can make the model as sophisticated or as simple as you want. All right, let's talk about policy planning and, you know, public health issues. How does mathematical research and the kinds of modeling that you are doing contribute to the National Institutes of Health coming up with a way of realistically reducing or slowing the amount of obesity? I mean, do you have a kind of a Freakonomics approach here where you take the numbers into the doctors and say, hey, folks, you're looking at this the wrong way? No, I, I actually don't think it's a magic bullet. But maybe I'll take a step back and, and tell you what we did. So what we did is we, we can take the, 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 the U.S. food supply. So the University Department of Agriculture provides the number of the actual number of calories available per person per day. And then we can then feed it to our – we can then make an average human being model. And we feed that – the food supply to the model. And what we showed is that if you, if you – incorporate the increase in the food in, uh, in the food production over the last 30, 40 years, and you feed it to the model, then the model will get obese. And not only that, it gets much more obese than we actually see. So what we predicted is that we're wasting more food, and this actually correlates with EPA data that's shown that municipal waste has actually gone up in proportion to what we predicted. So uh, uh, the abuse of abundance is a <laughs> consequence of uh, obesity, and the U.S. population is exactly where you would expect, given the rates of uh, food production. What do we do, plant less? Well, see, that, that, see I, 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 for one, don't believe we should necessarily make food more expensive because, because it would be a hardship for low-income people. Right. It's not like everybody has access to cheap food. In fact, one of the reasons that they made food so cheap you know, during the 70s was the desire, there, you know, malnutrition was a major problem back then. And so now malnutrition is not as much of a problem. It's not totally eliminated. There are still pockets of society that are malnourished sitting beside obesity, which is Indeed. kind of a puzzle. Well, we're glad so, uh, that a mathematician is on the case. So Dr. Carson Chow, MIT-trained mathematician and investigator with the National Institute of Diabetes and Digestive Kidney Diseases, doing the math on obesity. Thanks so much. Thank you. We've been talking about obesity in America all this week, and you can catch up on any of those stories at thetakeaway.org. We're also getting responses to our conversation about Under Earners Anonymous, a new group that uh, supports the underpaid through a 12-step program. Henny, what support group has helped you? A listener Atlanta sent us this text. I was homeless in 2004. My children and I were helped by a community support group. And a listener in Kansas says there's no support group for people who get into fights with their sisters. Maybe you need to start one. I'm Celeste Headley. Is there radio anonymous? I'm John Hockenberry. This is The Takeaway.